state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. The 0-1 pitch. Now it's popped up into foul territory on the right side. Schwellenbach waiting for it and makes the catch for the third out. And the Huskers win this one in dramatic fashion in 13 innings. 7-6 over Rutgers as they improve to 23-11. And they win three games out of four in the Piscataway pod. How about that? Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT High safety office who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and austin orman well it's quite a weekend of baseball in piscataway wasn't it since we last chatted friday night huskers have played four baseball games and as Nick Hanley described in his highlight call there, they win three out of four and stay right on the heels of the Hoosiers in the Big Ten race. Just a half a game back. Welcome to the program. Welcome to another week of sports. I'm so glad you're with us here tonight. Going to have some fun over the next three hours. We're going to recap with Ben McLaughlin here in a couple of minutes. The um, thrilling game today that had so many interesting twists and turns to it. Uh, and some bizarre calls, some calls that if you follow baseball for a long, long time, you may not have even heard uh, some things that happened today. A, a bat that did not have a knob in the bottom of it that caused a, a batter to be called out. Uh, I mean, just some strange things that happened today. So we'll recap some of that with Ben here in a couple of minutes. Uh, hour number two, we have not heard from Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. He is one of their lead college football writers. We're going to catch up with Adam and just see what's been taking place in the wild world of college football over the last couple of months. Some coaching hires, spring practices in the books around the country, and hopefully a return to normalcy for college football in the fall with full stands. We'll get all that covered with Adam coming up in the second hour. Kevin Suits is a busy man this time of the year. He's the sports director at 1011 Sports here in Lincoln and Grand Island. Uh, it is state playoff times for baseball, for track and field, for soccer. Uh, lots of things happening. A fun time of year. Tennis, a fun time of year. Busy time of year for local sports departments. We'll get uh, Kevin's take on all the things that have been happening and what he and his staff have been covering the last couple of days and uh, what they will be covering in the coming weeks as we get ready to wind down a school year around the state of Nebraska. So looking forward, always look forward to having Kevin on the program. That'll come up in hour number two. Austin's put together all the highlights of an incredible week weekend of sports major league baseball you've got nba you've got uh, the football championship series semifinals uh, the fcs level now ready to crown a champion here in a week we'll hear all that from austin coming up in the third hour and we'll lay out our weekend our weekend winners for you as well and of course it's your show love to hear your thoughts take on husker baseball at 531-54686 and and austin when we signed off on friday we i think at least i was kind of nervous i mean the huskers coming off of a weekend where they got swept by rutgers going back to play the first place hoosiers and then play twice against the rutgers team that took a two nebraska at haymarket park i i think i would have taken a two and two weekend but by golly i'm I'm really happy for a three and one weekend after the win earlier today 
Absolutely. 3-1, and I think the way it happened is probably the way you draw up a 3-1 and one as well. You win game one against Indiana, you battle, look like the Nebraska baseball team we've seen all year. Then the Nebraska baseball team we've seen recently comes out in game two, the bat struggle. Shea Shanman has to really dig after that long first inning. He does his job after that point. And then you exact some revenge on Rutgers. That was great to see. It's hard to erase the the stain of getting swept at home by a team like that but then you turn around and do you do the same thing to them you pound them in game one at 15 to 5 and then today who knows what happened today i don't think anyone has really <laughs> sorted it all out yet but to win both of them against rutgers you split with indiana who is still like you said a half game ahead of nebraska i think you showed out very well you did pretty much everything that could have possibly been expected of you in your road pod you know, last weekend with the, the home games of the Rutgers, the bullpen cost Nebraska a couple of games. But I think they rallied, and particularly today. I mean, the way it was kind of a bullpen day playing game four of a weekend. And so they used a bunch of different pitches, pitchers. A lot of guys got a chance to step onto the mound. Even in a loss to Indiana on that Sunday morning game, I was I thought Ethan Bradford did a heck of a job giving Nebraska two innings of relief to kind of save some arms for later in the weekend for the for the game two of that doubleheader day, and then obviously for today, and then to you know to go, today was so wild because Nebraska plated six in the first, and you're like oh this is over, and then they didn't score again until the thirteenth inning. I mean it just went went belly up for the offense, and it wasn't from the lack of base runners or hitting the ball hard they look like they hit into some tough luck but I think the bullpen responded after a rocky weekend at home last weekend to really help spur this team out of the three and one and and I I bet a lot of guys Austin as they get on that plane to fly home tonight have to feel pretty good because a lot of different people had contributions to to lead to this three one weekend Oh, absolutely. It wasn't just one guy carrying the team from games one through four. One guy I'll shout out specifically, Kyle Perry makes his comeback after 430 days off with Tommy John surgery, comes out, does allow a couple runs, but to see him back out on a mound, that was awesome. Nebraska ended up throwing nine guys here today, and I think, Greg, part of that can happen, too, because if you go back to yesterday, the rain delay game, Chance Roach battling after that rain delay, trying to save arms, trying to keep guys fresh. He only lasted two-thirds of inning after but it was awesome to see chance roach come back out try to save his bullpen knowing today's going to be a bullpen day and especially on the offensive side too plenty plenty of heroes gunner hellstrom did his job a guy that hasn't seen a whole lot of playing time this year really delivers in game one against indiana spencer schwellenbach did his thing luke roskam an absolutely fantastic weekend six rbi yesterday another two run home run today seeing him bounce back from a rough start to the season has been awesome nebraska really took care of business and you know they get up six nothing i wasn't comfortable greg we saw what Rutgers did to this team here in lincoln <laughs> nebraska got out to a couple big leads and he pointed out the bullpen it all fell apart and it darn near did again today but this reminded me of early season nebraska where you know they can jump on teams but they showed the resilience they didn't let Rutgers get over the hump this time this was the nebraska team i grew accustomed to seeing probably the first 20 games of the year yeah, exciting stuff, no, no doubt about it, for uh, today's victory for Nebraska. So here we go, three weekends left of the season, and it's game on now for this conference title. Huskers a half a game back of Indiana and a half a game ahead of Michigan. So it's really those three are going to battle it out. And how about this, Austin? Here's Indiana's schedule from now to the end. This weekend, 
They play three games on the road at Michigan. So there you go. <laughs> Numbers one and three battle this weekend when Nebraska's home to take on Northwestern. Then Indiana will make up that Illinois. They're going to make up that rained out game with Illinois from back in March where they couldn't get the Sunday game in. So they're going to make that up and they get to host that one. That's a Tuesday night game. And then they host a pod where Nebraska comes in for two and Ohio State mm-hmm. is there for two. So that. There's four games against good teams, and they finished their year at Maryland for a three-game series. And we know Maryland's a really talented team, so Indiana's got a tough schedule. Huskers, we know, have the home series with Northwestern. They go to the pod with with Indiana and Ohio State, and they finish with Michigan at home. So this is going to be fun. I mean, this is going to be an old-fashioned shootout with these teams all playing each other coming down a stretch. This is going to be a blast the next couple weekends. I don't think the Big Ten scheduling office could have drawn it up any better. It's probably why it took them so long. They knew this is how it was going to shake out, getting Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska, playing each other so much. And what what I think is awesome, Greg, is that if Northwestern's able to play, it's at home. That's awesome. You yep. get a team coming off a long pause, you're at home, probably win three games there. If you split in the pod in Indiana, you have to take one from Indiana at least. You'd like another three and one a weekend, but two and two in the Indiana pod's probably fine. And you're sitting there right in contention with Michigan, a home series. Nebraska had hardly any home games at the start of the schedule, a very backloaded home schedule. I think that's shaping up in Nebraska's favor. Let me give you Michigan's schedule. So, okay, so Michigan's only a game out of first, a half game back of Nebraska. Mentioned that they host Indiana this weekend for three. Then they host Maryland for three. So Maryland's going to have a hand in this thing because remember, Indiana finishes at Maryland the week before Maryland is at Ann Arbor to take on Michigan. So Michigan has six straight home games coming up. The Hoosiers for three, Maryland for three. And then here they come to Lincoln for the three-game series to wrap it all up. So this is going to be so much fun the next three weekends for the Big Ten baseball teams. I think all I think all three teams are safely in the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. but somebody is going to get the automatic bid by winning the league. And so that's what's really going to make this juicy and fun and uh, just a blast to be a part of and, and watch and scoreboard watch. Uh, but the Huskers back home this weekend for Northwestern. I was, I was talked to some Nebraska officials today they are quietly confident that that series is going to happen northwestern has not played for a couple of weeks because of covid issues but they have been in contact with the northwestern folks and they're fairly confident that they will be here for the three game series which begins friday night at 6 30 uh, with game one of that series hey buckle up and put the phone down a reminder from the ndot highway safety office let's shift gears a little bit here also let's talk some some husker football and i, and I said this a couple of times last week on the show I said I didn't I didn't have any inside information. Nobody has told me this from the football program, but I said if the spring practice is over, the school year is over, graduation was over the weekend, and um, I, I was a proud father of a daughter who, who got her diploma this weekend. That's why I wasn't in Piscataway with the boys. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a great feeling. You know it. And Tim knows it. It's a great feeling when you accomplish that and put that behind you. But um, – 
we did we did hear over the weekend and, and it bled into today of a couple of Huskers who have entered the transfer portal. I said last week, it's I think it's coming. Don't know who, but guys now know where they are on the depth chart. Spring ball's over. They're kind of looking around going, ah, this may not be for me. So Demarion Houston and Jamie Nance, two wide receivers, have both announced in the last couple of days that they have entered the transfer portal. Uh, Nance has already picked up a couple of offers uh, since he announced Texas State and Utah State have both reached out to Jamie Nance. I've not heard Demarion Houston come up with anything yet, but uh, you know, it, that that was a room, Austin, that we've been worried about, but as we kind of started rolling through names and we had our top ten list last week where we talked about top ten guys that impressed us from the spring game, and there's some depth at that wide receiving room, so I, I'm not surprised by this. It does open up a couple of scholarships for Nebraska, but what was your reaction when you heard the news that Houston and, and Nance have both now put their name in the portal well i'll tell you what my reaction was and it wasn't necessarily surprised these are both a couple guys from that 2019 class both from the oklahoma prep ranks who combined for a whole uh nothing actually at nebraska after they redshirted in 2019 nance saw the field in one game that maryland game on the road in 2019 houston didn't play an official snap and then you, know, you look at that and you're like okay hey, they've had a couple years here on campus to make their mark they're not really progressing what do they got in the spring game didn't see him a whole lot didn't hear their names a whole lot they weren't out on the field all that much only saw nance for a few snaps that i can remember just a couple saturdays ago so we know we're not all that you know sure of what we have in the wide receiver room but when we look at it it looks pretty solid you look at that first group of probably oliver martin samori Ture, probably omar manning is your first three wide receivers feel pretty good about that you look at the next group behind them levi falks played snaps xavier betts has a ton of potential will nixon's really come on the spring after his injury elante brown is still an enigma but probably in that potential category those are seven guys you feel pretty darn comfortable about and then even wyatt lever behind them has played snaps you have austin Jablonski and Ty Han that flashed a little bit in the spring game. I don't think Jamie Nance and Demarion Houston were going to find their way up the depth chart with some of those names in front of them. Yeah, I, I don't either. I think, again, they saw where they were on the, on the chart and they saw the writing on the wall that their playing time was going to be probably not very much moving forward. It hasn't been much, as you just outlined, and they don't see it going forward. So, uh, it's part of the life right now in college football. And, again, it, it opens up a couple of scholarships for Nebraska to, to go find some bodies that they might need to add to some other rooms. I think with the inside linebacker spot, with the announcement of the Will Honus injury by Coach Frost after the spring game might be an area they want to go add a body. Um, you're always looking for pass rushers. If you can find one of those, maybe you try to, to, to get one in there. Uh, maybe quarterback, although the, both Scott Frost and Mario Verduzco have just said nope we're good with what we have but some, maybe somebody falls into your lap so it'll be interesting to see what nebraska does with these open scholarships now maybe maybe you're rewarded a walk on with one you hold them hold them back for that so uh, some options for the staff as they move forward but there i knew it was coming you just could tell something was probably going to happen didn't know which guys what room would get affected but again as austin said not surprised it was these two guys in this room the wide receiving room after what we saw from some players like Toure and manning and oliver martin's progress and then you can keep on going down the list the, the great spring that will nixon had uh, he's certainly going to be a guy in the mix for this team uh, come the fall as well 
Ben McLaughlin, uh, well, whose wife is a new mom. I hope he made a phone call to her, but he just wrapped up a wild weekend. Ben, for you and Nick in Piscataway, I mean, you had rain delays, you had bizarre calls, and you had some good Husker baseballs. They win three out of four. Just, a, just another weekend in Piscataway, right? It's pretty much what you expect when you come out here. Um, just weird stuff happening. And, yeah, I, I you know, the, what's the old cliche? A lot of times in baseball you show up to the park and you see something you've never seen before, and that definitely was the case today. But, yeah, just kind of an odd weekend. But, hey, the end result is the Huskers going 3-1. and one, So a- anything that happened in between, we'll take it. Yeah, and that's the thing, and it's a great bounce back, wasn't it, Ben? I mean, I think a lot of us were kind of wondering after the sweep at home last weekend, what what were we going to see this weekend? What did you see? What what kind of baseball did this team play over the last couple of days? I think it's the baseball that we've seen all year. You know, I think just really good pitching. Um, I know the walk numbers were a little high in those first two games. Um, you know, getting the offense where it needed to be and, and just see, you know, bolt ball, right? Bunt base hits, putting pressure on defenses. Twice this weekend, Nebraska forced the defense into five errors in a game, uh, once against Indiana and once against Rutgers, against Rutgers. They stole a bunch of bases. They hit the ball at the ballpark. You saw some clutch hitting today in some big moments. Um, I know the offense kind of disappeared for a while, but, um, I mean, that's just kind of what we saw. And, and we saw some really, really good defense from Nebraska, even when the other teams weren't fielding the ball cleanly. So, you know, overall at times I thought Nebraska, you know, played really well. They hung with Indiana more than hung with Indiana, had the tying run the plate in the ninth inning uh, against them in their 4-2 loss. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, overall, you're pretty pleased with the caliber of baseball you saw this weekend, considering what happened a week ago against Rutgers. Quite the pod. I mean, Huskers go 3-1, and one, Indiana goes 3-1, and one, and Rutgers, who's been playing great, goes 0-4. Oh you, you've seen Rutgers. You hadn't seen Indiana until this weekend. What's your impression of the Hoosiers now that you've seen them a couple times? I think a lot of times you walk away from a series knowing a lot more than what you knew on paper going in to a series, right? We do our prep work and we have a pretty good idea of what a team looks like based on that. And a lot of times we leave going, I don't, that, that, that didn't look like what, what I saw. Um, but that's totally the case with Indiana. I mean, a t- very top-heavy lineup. We knew that uh, with guys like Barr and Richardson and um, and Ashley at the top of the lineup. They're very top-heavy. The, the bottom half of the lineup is very gettable. Defensively, they're they're not very good defensively. But, man, can they pitch. They can really pitch. They're, they've got um, great starter depth. They've got unbelievable bullpen depth. And they've got a, an elite closer. And so, you know, it's not surprising to see Indiana where they are. The top half of that lineup most days is good enough to carry their offense. You know, three, four, five runs most times is good enough for them to win. And and they play to their strengths. They pitch it well. They pitch it really well. And that's, you know, that's what's carrying them right now. They've got the best ERA in the Big Ten by far. And, again, it takes, like you look at Nebraska's game, Cole Barr runs into two home runs, and that's enough. You know, that's, that's enough to beat us. So that's, that's just kind of the way that they play, and it, they've made a living off that this year, and there's a reason why they're in first place because of it. We're busy with Ben McLaughlin. He just wrapped up a 13-inning call earlier this afternoon and getting ready to make his way back to Nebraska after the long weekend in Piscataway. A couple of rain delays in this thing, and they both they both seem to come at times that hurt the Huskers because you had starting pitching going along pretty good, right? And then they, both, both rain delays did seem to affect Nebraska more than the other team. 
Yeah, as happy as we were that Nebraska able to win that game against Indiana and walk them off, I was crushed for Cade Povich. Man, he was just dominant. Nine strikeouts through four innings. He was only at like 72 pitches. He had plenty of gas left in the tank to get at least two more innings under his belt. Indiana was, was all kinds of tied up in knots, and it just kind of throws everything for a loop when that happens. Cody Frank all of a sudden has to rip a jacket off and get hot really quickly, and, and he wasn't very effective because of that. He was dynamite today, closing the game out for the Huskers. But, yeah, you're right. It just kind of throws a wrench into the entire thing. I think Cody might have started uh, today had that not been the case. But, um, you know, I think just a domino effect happens after that, and it's definitely not what you want in a four-game set to have – two starters essentially plugged. I know Chance came back out in his start, but it was clear he wasn't the same guy. And, you know, the Huskers tried to steal an inning from him, and they were able to. But thankfully, you know, they blew it open with a big offensive inning, and that didn't end up hurting the team. But, yeah, twice you had a guy, uh, you know, basically having their start shut down because of a rain delay. And, and on both times, you know, Nebraska's opponent – those pitchers were at the end of the line anyway. The Rutgers kid was at 100 pitches, and he was about to get pulled out of the game anyway. So that didn't affect them. And Indiana was throwing off. And so, you know, they, they, their guy was only going to go two, three innings as it was, and they were already in their bullpen. So it did, it did hamper Nebraska, but, um, you know, thankfully able to win both of those games. Ben, last weekend, you know, the, the bugaboo was the bullpen. Couldn't hold leads Friday and Saturday against Rutgers. How did that group perform as a whole in your eyes in the four games? I think pretty well. Schwellenbach obviously throwing the four innings today. He pitched twice this weekend. It was a tough ask of Jake Buns today. Um, you know, he... He threw 56 pitches on Saturday, and I'd turn around and pitch again today. He made a great one-two pitch to a kid that should have been called a strike. It was called a ball, and on the next pitch, the kid hits the three-run home run. Um, I thought Max Schreiber was fantastic this weekend. Cam Wynn I thought was good this weekend. Um, he got... He pitched an inning in two-thirds, and I think he threw like 14 pitches today. So he, he was really good. I think you're feeling a lot better. I mean, and, and the other thing, too, is you're starting to see some other arms, you know, start to prove that they can hang a little bit. Emmett Olson, fantastic today. Max Schreiber, I mentioned him already, fantastic today. Kyle Perry looked okay, looked a little rusty, but I think, you know, getting him back in the mix is big. And Ethan Bradford, I thought, threw the ball well. So there's four or five names that I mentioned right there that I think Nebraska has no problems going to go get those guys for an out or two if they need it down the stretch yeah i thought bradford in the loss against indiana was huge because he ate up a couple of innings and really saved some other guys for the, the last two games of the weekend and you're right emmett olson to me was gold star today uh came in and put a couple of zeros up cam Wynn did a nice job in his relief appearance so yeah I, I thought i'm with you i think the bullpen acquitted themselves very nicely in the weekend series huskers again coming off a three and one weekend now 23 and 11 and been very much alive in this league race you've got three weekends left and what just a half a game difference between nebraska and indiana and it's going to be a mad dash to the finish we play michigan we play indiana indiana plays a good maryland team to finish it's going to be a roller coaster of the last three weeks tons of scoreboard watching i know everybody in the top half of the league was watching our game today praying rutgers would win they saw a six uh, six-oh lead get erased and got excited but thankfully nebraska won that game 
teams, all these teams, Greg, competing for a title control their own destiny. We do, Indiana does, and Michigan does because we all play each other. So it's all going to come down to these last three three weeks. We have Northwestern. We hope next week the COVID issues have knocked out a couple of weekends for the Cats, but it's been well over two weeks. I can't imagine a scenario that, that they're unable to come to Lincoln. That'll be over 21 days um, if that's the case. I mean, you hope you can get these games in, but yeah, it's everybody plays everybody. It's not like, you know, in years past when the Huskers have the Boilermakers and the Hoosiers have the, the Golden Gophers and the, and the Wolverines have the Hawkeyes or whatever it is, and everybody's relying on everybody else. You're playing, you're playing the teams that you're competing against to win down the stretch, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and, and really, you look at Michigan. I mean, they drop a game to Michigan State. They've dropped a game to Penn State, almost lost the series to Penn State. Michigan of the three has, by, in my eyes, the weakest resume of the group. Indiana, to me, may be the team to beat. As you laid out perfectly, the, the strengths of their team is pretty impressive. They, they really get after you on the mound. So it's going to be a fun stretch of baseball. One guy that I was a little concerned about early in the weekend was Spencer Schwellenbach, not, not on the mound, but at the plate. What did you see from Spencer as the weekend drove, went along? He's fighting it. I mean, there's no doubt he's fighting it at the plate. He hit a ball hard yesterday, um, and I believe it was the ninth inning that was worth a couple of runs. That was great to see. He had a couple hard hit balls today. He had a, a bloop double that was worth an RBI in the first inning today. I, I think you'd much rather see a ball barreled up for an out than that. I mean, we'll gladly take the RBI double, but um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a little concerning. I would throw Cam Chick in that mix too. I'm uh, just kind of waiting for these guys to kind of break out. But, man, unbelievable weekend from Luke Roscom, just cool. ripping the cover off the ball. Max Anderson, that poor guy, had six or seven hits taken away from him this weekend. He was hitting rockets all over the place. So you're starting to see other guys step up, even though you're not having Schwelly or Chick produce. Jackson Hallmark had a tough day today, but, you know, had the double late in the game. And, you know, I think that's just what we've come to expect. As long as other guys are picking up the slack, guys like Bryce Matthews and Griffin Everett, you know, these other Logan Foster, guys that are in the bottom half of the lineup, you don't need Schwellenbach to go three for five like you used to have to. Or you need a bomb from Chick or a double from Chick. You can have other guys pick up the slack, and, and that's what's happened. But it's only, you know, he's a good hitter. There's only a matter of time before Schwelly and Chick get it going again and hopefully it's in time for this tail end of the season busy again with ben, ben mclaughlin he and nick hanley had the call all weekend long with the huskers pod in piscataway two with indiana two with Rutgers. nebraska goes three and one and exits the weekend just a half a game out of first place all right i gotta ask you about today's seventh inning have you ever seen a batter called out because he used a bat without a knob, number one. And number two, have you ever seen a first baseman get called for interference on a pickoff throw to the bag? It was really hard to kind of fathom what was happening. And I, I didn't want to say it on the air, but you almost felt like a homer was coming. I mean, you, 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 you've been around in those types of moments where, you know, the snowball's rolling down the hill. There's no control in it. And you can just see things happen before, you know, just before they do, you know, just the, the premonitions and, and everything was set up in that inning for that to happen. No, I've never seen a guy, his hand slid into Luke. I saw a clip of it. His, his, the guy sliding back to the bag, his hand slid right into Luke's back foot. And I think it was just terrible hand placement by the base runner because you know, he puts the hand on the bag and he's safe anyway, but he slides right into the foot of Luke. Luke gets called for obstruction to get the guy, on, you know, instead of an out, 
which Nebraska ended up needing. Uh, we'll get to there in a second. But, you know, so that kid's at second. I think we walked the next guy. So the tying run's at the plate. And then Rutgers was using this bat today that come to find out they were using it all game. The same, and it wasn't multiple hitters. I think it was just one guy was using that bat. Nebraska knew about it. And, you know, we're waiting for the right time to say something because they knew the rule, which means the batter is out and the runners have to retreat to where they were. And that was a good time to pull that out because at the time it was six to three, you had their fifth run in scoring position. So they pulled that out, runners retreat back to the bags. And then sure enough, uh, as I alluded to, the, the pitch buns made to Lasco, which we all on the ballpark on the Husker side thought was a strike. Uh, and then he pours one over the plate. And Lasco gets around and, and hits one out. And all of a sudden, we're tied. And, you know, in the, in the half-inning break in between innings, Nick and I were just like, what What did we just watch? It was the weirdest thing. I mean, the, the, this guy using a bat with no knob on it. And it was just the craziest thing. And, you know, I think we're making a much bigger deal about it if Nebraska lost that game. But, yeah, I have never seen anything like that before. Well, and, and you even left out there was a thing that the umpire thought a batter was hit by right. a pitch yeah. or leaned yeah. into a pitch, and he didn't get hit by a pitch, and they had to go correct that. It was just a really odd but unfortunate inning because if if, if the throw to first base and the, the, the initial call was that the base runner was out, it would have been two outs, somebody on base, and right. you get out of that inning with a three-run lead still in your back pocket with only six outs to go. It ended up extending that, – that call, in, in my eyes, ended up extending the game into the 13th inning and I know there are fans out there going, oh, but Nebraska had all these other chances. You're right, but that's a call that affected three runs being scored in that mm-hmm. game. That is a huge, huge call and a moment in the game. Yeah, it was. I mean, there's no, there's no denying what, what – and, and you, you better believe there, there weren't very many Husker fans there in New Jersey this weekend, but if you were there, you could sense the momentum in that dugout after that happened. I mean, all the energy shifted to their dugout, and yeah. all of a sudden they're hooting and hollering – Buns was already kind of laboring as it was because of of where he was at coming off Saturday. And I mean, as a pitcher, your mindset's completely different. And right after that, Will Bolt tried to turn. He he was walking off the field and he turned and he kind of knew how big of a moment it was. And he kind of pounded his hands together as it's kind of fire up the team. Um, Schreiber was still at that point. He walked that guy. Then they went to go get Buns to face Lasco. So that was it for Schreiber after he walked that kid and, Man, it was, yeah, it, it was a, it was a huge call. There's no doubt about it. It was a big call. Unfortunately, it didn't go Nebraska's way. But, and again, I'm probably making a lot bigger deal about it if Nebraska loses the game. But thankfully, Schwellenbach just did everything in his power to get after, get after, get out of jam after jam after jam to keep giving Nebraska's offense a chance. All right, no doubt. Great call. Great work by you and Nick all weekend. I know the conditions were rough. It's, there's no press box there. You guys were dealing with raindrops and trying to cover the gear and uh, four, four long day, three long days of baseball with four games. Great work. And uh, now we get back to the cozy confines of Haymarket Park for the upcoming weekend. No doubt. Well worth it. Three and one. We'll suffer through anything for a three and one weekend. And um, the long trip home for the boys, I'm sure, is a, is a happy flight after this weekend. So looking forward to being home. Let's turn our attention to college football. None better to talk about that than Adam Rittenberg, who we've not bothered for several months. Hey, Adam, how you doing? How, how are things? Oh, good, Greg. Great to hear your voice. Hope you're doing well. Hope everything's good in uh, the state of Nebraska. Having a great time right now. Um, let's talk about just the last few months. This, this transfer portal is just getting crazy. Uh, how, how concerned are coaches, and, and is this going to change some things and how coaches operate their programs with how popular this portal has become? 
Yeah, it definitely has to. I mean, I, I think you'd be crazy not to devote more time and energy or even a position on your staff that whose job is, is heavily geared around the portal and monitoring, you know, who, who, who makes sense and who's in the portal and who and who, who might be coming to your program or who, or who to stay away from. That's another part of it. Um, so it's definitely uh, another layer to the process of personnel that's why you see personnel departments now at the college level you know and 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 you know directors of player personnel and 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 assistant directors and you know general manager there's there's a position like that at several schools so yeah it's definitely going to change the way the, the sport operates i think each program has to decide how much it wants to devote to the portal and how much it still wants to go through the traditional routes of talent which are obviously high school and and junior college ranks yeah, we heard um, uh, Kansas State, which isn't too far away from us, their AD was on a radio program and said their their plan is to hold 10 scholarships every year for transfer portal. I hadn't heard anybody put a number on it until I heard that. But, man, that, that, that staggered me a little bit to hear that. But that may be, that may be a plan for some programs. Lovey Smith was certainly a guy. Maybe it was because he couldn't get some high school kids. But in his time in Illinois, didn't he, he really went to the portal quite a bit and grabbed players. Yes, absolutely. And again, you know, each program is different. Um, you know, so some programs are not going to lose as many players to the portal as others. Uh, but I think you're naive if you think that you're never going to lose players, um, especially at certain positions. You know, there are some programs even this past year that aren't used to losing many transfers that had a number who, who went into the portal. So that's just the reality. Um, but, but again, you know, Sonny Dykes at SMU has done a really good job of, of turning SMU into a transfer destination and capitalizing on the fact that so many players are from Dallas or the surrounding areas that maybe go somewhere else, so maybe a higher-profile program. And for whatever reason, they want to transfer. And, hey, come on home to SMU. And they've, they've been able to, to, to create a lot of success there. I think other programs are going to look to that model. So you saw Alabama over the weekend you know, add uh, Henry Toto, you know, one of the, the better linebackers uh, in the SEC, to an already talented linebacker group coming over from Tennessee. So, you know, it's going to happen at every school. But I think the interesting thing will be how, 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 who really goes all in on the portal who goes halfway in and who goes partial the way in. But I don't think you can go all the way out. I think it's, it's going to be too difficult to operate that way, the, the way that the, the, the trends are going in the sport right now. Visiting again with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com here on Sports Sunday talking college football. I know you've been tracking all the coaching moves during the offseason. Were you surprised in the year of COVID and janky schedules and postponed games that, that athletic directors still were pretty aggressive with, with moves in the offseason? Did that surprise you at all? It didn't, Greg. Yeah, I think every I'd heard it throughout the fall that well, you know, it's going to be a slow year. And, and yes, numbers-wise, it was still down a little bit. Uh, then, you know, usually we have between, you know, 20 and 30 moves, uh, even with uh, Buffalo's hiring of Maurice Linguist, that, that brought us up to 17 total. But I, I just think this sport, with how much pressure is on it and, um, you know, pressure on the athletic directors if you don't win or if a coach leaves for whatever reason, they're, 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 there's always going to be change. And even in a year like last year where, you know, you might have given second thought to a, a potential change. We saw it at Texas. We saw it at Auburn. Even saw it at Illinois. Um, you know, programs that probably could have gone a little bit longer with their head coaches uh, opted to make the move. And, and I, but I do think we're going to see an even more robust coaching cycle after the 2021 season. 
because some you know that may have been thinking about it and didn't do it, you know, they're not going to give a whole lot of second thought to it if they're in that position again. What did you make of the Kansas hire last week? Yeah, I loved it. And you 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 know, being around the Nebraska program. Uh, just how, how good of a coach Lance Leifold is. I know he was at Nebraska a number of years ago, but mm-hmm. uh, very, very rooted in the Midwest. And you know, he was the Nick Saban of Division Three at Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, went to Buffalo, you know, a program that was, was not as bad as it was before Turner Gill got there. But certainly it's still a tough place to win, a tough place to recruit and to go 24-10 and 10 the last three years with a top 25 finish, the two Mac East Division titles. You know, Lance understands player development, and that's just going to be the key at Kansas. You know, whoever they brought in needed to know how to be a head coach, and they needed to understand the challenges that were ahead. They're still not anywhere near where they need to be from a scholarship standpoint, and it may take some time to get there, but I think they're going to play hard. He's got a clear identity on the offensive side of the ball, and I think they're going to score points, and they're going to look more competitive in, in the near future. Now, are they going to start winning the Big 12? No. But after the, the decade that Kansas has had, I think just being a respectable program is a, is a good goal for them right now. Adam, we're, we're getting some new blood at the top of these conferences. You've got the new AD or the new um, the commissioner for the ACC. Kevin Warren's only a year into his clock in the Big Ten. The Pac-12 will be naming somebody, I would guess, soon as their new post. How, how key will these individuals be in the future of college football, knowing that the current system for the playoff is set to expire here in a couple of years? What, what, reading the tea leaves, how big a change do you think we're in for in the next few years in the sport? Yeah, I, I don't think it mattered necessarily, Greg. It's a good point about the change in leadership. Um, and who knows how, you know, Bob Bowlesby is almost 70, how much longer he's going to do it in the Big 12. We know the Pac-12 has a new commissioner coming in. Um, ACC, Big Ten have changed. Um, I, 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 think, I think it was still going to expand. I just think, you know, every, every uh, uh, playoff system in this country and every sport expands. It doesn't contract, especially when you begin with such a low number of teams. Um, I, I think, I think that, that this is always the likely path. Now, will it definitely expand? You, you never say uh, anything definite in this sport. I know there's some that would you know, prefer to keep the status quo, but I, I just think the, fact, the way that it's trending and, and, and the large part of the country that's cut out of the playoff system, the group of five is, is essentially eliminated before the season starts. Um, you know, you're, you're going to see more uh, pressure or momentum or whatever word that you want to describe, especially with the television contract now only four years out. Uh, I think there's going to be real discussions. You know, the commissioners meet again a couple of times uh, next month. I spoke to a, a commissioner over the weekend, and I think the real discussion about the playoffs, there wasn't much that honestly happened in the last meeting. I think it's going to take place much more substantially uh, in June and in the coming meetings because you want to get, I mean, I know they mentioned 63 possibilities. We both know there, there's, not, <laughs> there's not 63 realistic possibilities. It's going to get down to a much smaller number, but then you want to get in position where you can alert your, you know, ESPN and, and potentially other partners that you're working with about, Hey, this is where we're, this is what we're thinking. And I've given that more thought. I'm sure you have too, as mm-hmm. to what would work best. And, and my, my theory, and I talked about this with this commissioner over the weekend is if most of the Power Five schools could be made whole with an 11-game schedule, or maybe what, what the Big Ten did this last year and have that option to schedule a 12th game if you're out of the playoff race, 
Um, I, I think that's probably the way it's going to go uh, because uh, I know there's going to be resistance to pushing the season back or, or having a quarterfinal round a week after the current championship game round in the first week of December. So I, I think if you can have uh, the, the, the championship games wrapped up by the end of uh, November, quarterfinal round that next week, then you can still have everything else on the same schedule. And how, how great would it be, Greg, to have quarterfinals on campus sites? I think that's going to be a real push among this group of commissioners if they do go to eight. Let's have these quarterfinal games on campus where we all love to see college football the most. Do you think the Bulls survive? I, you know, listen, some of the Bulls will always survive. You know, yeah. Bulls still get good ratings. Uh, you know, I know that the, uh, the, the attendance and, and some of that, you know, player opt-outs is, is increasing. But, you know, I know that, that my, my employer very much likes the Bulls and, yeah. and likes the, the numbers that they do. And, and people watch football. And so, you know, I, I think you know, Jim Delaney had a great quote, you know, talking to him and covering him for many years, the former Big Ten commissioner. You know, he, he would describe the Bulls as too much ice cream. You know, have we gotten too much ice cream at that level? And now maybe we're on a little bit of a diet in terms of getting those that bowl number down to a number where you can still put put it on and schools will be interested and players will want to play and fans will want to watch. I think that will always be uh, the, the case to a certain degree. But like, like Nick Saban and others said when the playoff system began, most of the attention is going to be on the playoff. And, and, and I, I don't blame people for that. I just think that more attention needs to be on it from different corners of the country instead of really the, the Midwest and the Southeast, which have dominated the playoff participation so far. Yeah, no doubt. Adam Rittenberg with, with us from ESPN.com. Okay, a year ago at this time, we would have had John, and there was so much uncertainty whether we would even have a season because of COVID. Do you, how, how close to normal do you think college football is going to look like in the fall? And I, obviously, I'll give you some wiggle room because everything could certainly change with this virus right now. But right here on May the 10th, what do you, are we close to normal, back to normal? What do you, what do you think in three months? Well, yeah, I think there's still some, some, some time to go, but I, I, I don't sense nearly the panic that was in, in place a year ago. Um, you know, the fact that the vaccines are available for every college football player. Uh, so, um, you know, I think, you know, I, from what I've talked to with coaches, it sounds like, you know, most of their teams or all of their teams are, are, are either getting the vaccine or strongly considering the vaccine. I think uh, the more that we know about its safety by the time the season rolls around, I think that that number will, will increase. Most coaches that I've talked to, really every coach I've talked to, has been vaccinated. And so I, I just think that there's not as much of a concern you know, even if somebody does get COVID during the season, that it won't cancel a game or, or knock out a position group to prevent that group from participating and then cancel, triggering a cancel, a cancellation. So I think all of those things are, are not as uh, as concerning or unsettling. You know, coaches and, and players are thrilled to be back on the field in spring practice. We had spring games. I know you guys had a great one there in Nebraska. I think the the plan is for a normal preseason. But, you know, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens during the year because someone's going to get COVID. Someone's uh, going to get sick at some point. And then how does that affect that particular team? But I just don't sense it's going to create this week-to-week, are they going to play or not type situation like we had in 2020. Oh, I hope you're right, man. I just, that was that was so, I mean, your emotions were just going up and down whether you yeah. play a game or not for a week. All right, I'm going to let you go with this. I saw some news today as it relates to Barry Alvarez who is stepping down in about a month as athletic director of Wisconsin. He's carved out, what, some kind of role that he's going to be still kind of employed by the Big Ten. What can you tell me? What, what light can you shed on that? 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I actually didn't know a whole lot about that, Greg, but I will, uh, I will certainly look into it, and it would make sense. You know, yeah, I see, I see here. Um, as far as, uh, um, yeah, you know, Gary is so intertwined with the, with the yep. Big Ten, and it's such an ambassador for, for many things in this league, and I, I think it would be smart, um, you know, if, if this is all true, for, for him to be, um, you know, to work with, the, with the, work, work with the coaches. He's got great respect among all coaches in the, uh, in the conference, and uh, I think after some of the communication issues that occurred last year between the league office and its group of coaches, you're having somebody like like Barry, who again is so respected in that fraternity and throughout much of the conference. Um, you know, you, you just knew Barry Alvarez was like, going to fade away and go play golf. I mean, he, he wants to be involved. He cares. He's he's got an important voice. He's got a really uh, meaningful insight to add to this game. So yeah, it's great to see that, that he'll still be involved in some way. Very good, Adam. Great to catch up. Thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Okay, you too, Greg. Reach out whenever. I'm going to be joined now by a guy who's really busy this time of year, and that's Kevin Suits, sports director at 1011 Sports. Kevin, great to have you with us. I hope you had a good weekend, a great Mother's Day yesterday. I'm sure you were busy with all that. It was a good, busy weekend. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there that are listening. And, uh, you know, I, I posted something online yesterday, and I'll stay by these words. Mothers truly are heroes, no doubt about that. Oh, amen to that. Absolutely. Fun time of year, right? I mean, much better than last May when there was nothing happening. This is a great time of year, right, for you guys. I know it's busy, but it's at least uh, fun getting outside and seeing all these outdoor sports going on. It's a lot of fun. You know, there's a misconception in the local sports world, I think. You know, once spring football is over uh, for Nebraska, that it slows down. But it's actually the opposite, Greg. May is when all the high school championships take place. It's a really fun time and an exciting time. Um, you know, there's quite a few uh, spring sports across the state of Nebraska. So, you know, we'll go straight down the line, starting with state soccer, which begins tomorrow, by the way. Fantastic. And there's probably a lot of teams in your, the area that you cover that are going to be involved in a lot of these postseason tournaments, I would guess. Yes, uh, soccer to start with that. You know, there's really good soccer talent here across the capital city. In fact, Lincoln Southwest is the number one seed in the boys tournament. They are undefeated right now. And the Southwest girls, they haven't lost either. Uh, and Lincoln East girls are very good, and that's just the sport of soccer, track and field. A lot of athletes across our area have are having record-setting uh, senior seasons. I don't know if that's a result of the extra training they got from uh, no sports last spring, and then you know, boys golf that concludes at the end of uh, May. And we not to leave out uh, baseball. There are some amazing teams locally in the sport of baseball. Norris is the first one that comes to mind. Yeah, obviously, there's some Will Bolt future talent coming from some of these teams in the state that are really really high caliber players and you always get a chance to kind of sneak that out and see that before they they play at haymarket park and put on the end uh that's got to be a kick for you to watch somebody cover them in the high school level and then see them go on to college and perform well at the collegiate level Absolutely. Not only is it a kick to cover them collegially, it's also fun. You know, baseball is different. Some of these uh, star athletes at the high school level in baseball, they get drafted. And then they have that decision of whether to to turn pro or to play college. So, you know, Jackson Reitz, that's one. He's one of the best 
high school baseball players I think I've ever seen. Of course, he was committed to Nebraska but opted to go play professionally, and he's now working in the national system uh, in the minor leagues. And, man, what a talent he was. And, you know, some of those guys, they, they do choose to surpass playing collegiately, and they go to the pros. So, you know, draft day for Major League Baseball, that's exciting, not just to see where some of these Nebraska players place, but also some of the, these local high school players that have the decision to maybe go play pro. Absolutely. Kevin Sutskin with us from 1011 Sports, Sports Director, and he and his staff are going to be busy the next couple of weeks with covering state track, state baseball, state soccer, state tennis, all those type of things going on. And uh, I, I'm just, and I, I know I mentioned to this to you back in March when we had you on after the state basketball tournament, but just what a job that the High School Activities Association, Kevin, has done during a very trying year where a lot of states. Um, pushed sports back to later in the year. But here in Nebraska, they kind of held the calendar as it is. You know a lot of those people that work at that association. Your thoughts about the job they've done kind of managing this pandemic in the last year? Well, I go back to last summer, Greg, and they remained steadfast that they were going to play the schedule as it was outlined during the pandemic, that they felt that they could operate safely and efficiently um, and with the help of everybody in mind, not just student, the student athletes, but the coaches, the fans, administrators on down the line. So they, they held true to that and they monitored it. Yes, there were some games and some tournaments that did not occur because of COVID-19, but once they got through the fall season, I think that they had a pretty good sense of how they could operate during the winter sports and we saw basketball go on as it was scheduled and now we're through the spring sports uh, season and at the tail end of that and Greg I'll share a quick story with you that uh, there's a colleague of mine who's working out on the east coast and he happened to see some of our video just this past Friday and he sent me a text message right away at about nine o'clock at night saying you guys are in the playoffs for state baseball for high school baseball he couldn't believe it he's on the tail end of covering high school football And so his baseball season hasn't even started yet. And that just goes to show that across the country, every state has a different blueprint. And everybody has made different decisions based on uh, what they feel is best for their state organization. But here with the NSAA, it has been, I don't want to say like any other year, because we know that's not the case. But in terms of the calendar and the schedule, that they've marched forward with pretty much the same blueprint. Now, it is going to be a little bit differently uh, with the state championships. State track is extended now to a a four-day event this year, and state soccer, they're adding an extra day on just to space out the games and allow some fan attendance to be – the fans that want to go, allow them to go without having to go right up against some of those capacity limits. Oh, and, that, and that makes sense to do that. Uh, that's that's well done, and that's good management on their part. I, I was in, in Illinois, a state that you know well, back in, in early April covering Husker baseball, and we got back to the hotel room on a Friday night, and I flipped on the local stations there, and here were a bunch of high school football highlights going on. I, I was thinking, am I in a time warp or whatever? But that was a state that pushed their high school football season into the spring like the one you were – you were mentioning earlier on. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of, uh, of Husker notes. We had a caller earlier in the program. Kevin wanted to know if there's been any news on Lexi Sun or Lauren Stiverns. Are we still just in the waiting game for, for those two young ladies' decisions about whether to come back next year? We are in the waiting game, and I think, just based on my gut and some of the discussions I've had, I think that it is, it's, not a, it's not a close case. I think prior to the NCAA tournament, I, I would have leaned that 
uh, all those seniors were going to move forward with their uh, volleyball careers. And we know that Lexi and Lauren, they have professional opportunities. In fact, I know Lauren has been contacted uh, by some organizations outside of the country to go play for them uh, as early as this summer. But the fact that the season ended the way that it did for Nebraska and these players have the opportunity to come back and spend another year and uh, train with John Cook and, and wear that Husker uh, jersey for another season, I think that it's maybe tugging on their heartstrings, and it's still an open discussion. I don't think decisions have been made with those two, and boy, wouldn't it be great to have them back for another year, especially considering the recruiting class that's coming in for Nebraska. Oh, that's going to be unbelievable. What would you make of the spring game? How cool was that to, to be down there and shooting that game and seeing fans in the stands again? Oh, it just warmed your heart, didn't it? Uh, it was a beautiful day, a warm You know, that was one of the best Saturdays we've had this spring in terms of weather and for folks to be able to get back inside the stadium it, it, it felt good uh, I think everybody had a smile on their face plus Nebraska was going to win which that's a great thing um, but from a football standpoint Greg this my, my takeaway for the game it might be a little bit boring but I thought Adrian Martinez looked really good. I know he's wearing the green no-contact jersey, but just based on his decision-making, uh, the way that he moved, how confident he seemed in the huddle, and as the play was developing, I saw little glimpses of Adrian from his freshman year in terms of uh, his confidence, and I was, I was very impressed with the way that he uh, handled himself. And not to mention, you know, last year with everything Adrian went through, there were times where Nebraska's quarterback uh, starting quarterback, that was a big discussion. I think it's undisputed right now, and everybody is going to put their weight behind number two leading the charge going into this upcoming fall season. Going to be fun. I say another thing that's going to be fun is the least last three weeks of the college baseball season with the Huskers right there with Indiana. I know you've done some live shots out at Haymarket Park over the last month or so. It's been a cool, cool spring watching that Will Bolt team. What do you make of that the Husker baseball team? I love the way they play. You know, I don't even if they lose the rest of their games, and I hope that they don't, Greg, I just absolutely love the way that they play. They've taken home a few times on some balls that have skipped past this catcher but aren't gimme runs. They'll still go. And, you know, the gritty beats pretty. I love the mantra. Um, and they always look to take the extra base. They play tremendous defense. I think they have some outfielders that cover a lot of space. And just the overall makeup of the team, I think the DNA of this squad is like quintessential Will Bolt baseball. And I just love it. Yeah, going to be fun. These next three weeks with Indiana, Michigan, Nebraska all playing each other, it's going to be a blast following this uh, this team over the next three weeks. Kevin, we appreciate it. Are you, are you shorthanded right now, right? Are you, are you down a team member? You got to got to go find somebody? We're down a team member right now, but that means more games for me to get to in the month of May, and it's going to be a blast. Uh, you know, starting tomorrow, you know, it's uh, let, let's go camp out at Morrison Stadium, watch some soccer. We'll do that for a week. We'll jump in on the baseball fun, um, and it's going to be a busy but really fun month of May. Fantastic. Well, enjoy it. We'll be watching, and uh, go, go to all those high school athletes' games, folks. It's just great to see the enthusiasm and the effort those kids are putting out. Kevin, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. God bless you, Greg. Again tomorrow night, it's our baseball show normally on Mondays, but because of the travel, the game today and the travel, no Will Bolt tonight. We'll have him tomorrow night during hour number two to uh, talk about the pod experience in Piscataway and getting ready for Northwestern 
coming up this weekend. We'll also, it's Tuesday night, we'll have our top 10 list for the night as well. That's going to put a wrap on tonight's show. Buckle up, put that phone down, folks, again. Uh, Thanks to Austin, to Tim, and to Mick. Have a great night. We'll do it again tomorrow.